think I'm doing those eyes. <laughs> I think I'm in love. It was terrifying. The pain, the, the fear of being eaten. I was drowning at the same time. I just accepted that I was going to die. Was there a bit of fandom for you when it came on? Oh, huge. Not- and I did not try to hide. <laughs> did not try to hide at all. Out of the Box with Serge Negus on FBI. Thanks to Mornings and the epic sounds they'll bring you today of the best music and culture you get around the town. If you missed anything they played, you can jump online and head to fbiradio.com to catch up on anything on the show that you missed. Now, do you know what you want to do with your life? Do you ever get crippled by what a seemingly massive question that is? Most of us do at some point, particularly when we're young and becoming adults. Dealing with the pressure of needing to choose a career, deciding where to live what you like even, falling in love, it it can be pretty damn overwhelming and you can feel pretty lost and confused throughout the process. There's no question about it. But how do you find the answer to these questions and I guess navigate that path to adulthood? My guest on the show today is a writer and illustrator who's gained a massive following online for a humorous take on the tumultuous journey to adulthood. Her name is Mary Andrews, Murray Andrews, and it's a pleasure having you in the studio. So nice to be here, thank you. Now, look, I mean, these are all massive concepts, but yeah. <laughs> before we get into adulthood, I'd really like to hear what your, what do you call it, non-adulthood, your childhood, whatever it was, <laughs> was like. I mean, because I can imagine it would have an impact on, on how you enter into that point in life with some level of security or not in terms of the, your mental processing of it. Mm-hmm. What was your childhood like? Was it stable? Was it intense? Yeah, my brain was pretty intense, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> um, environmentally pretty stable. I grew up in a city called Seattle, which mm-hmm. is known for grunge, uh, good, Nirvana, good. <laughs> all of I'm, that in the 90s. Kurt Cobain, a pretty unstable guy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Very moody gray city lots of rain Uh, my father was a musician my mom uh, worked an office job and I was an only child so I spent a lot of time in my head Mm, (laughs) I got to know my head pretty well Um, I didn't have a ton of friends growing up I actually got along a lot better with adults than kids but adults don't really want to hang out with a seven-year-old. So I spent a lot of time just observing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that built the muscle really early on for a lot of what I do now, just watching people, being really attuned to what other people are doing, feeling like a bit of a misfit and um, feeling on the outside a lot. Sure, sure. And I guess, like, how did you then, like, go about finding stability at even that point, like, given that you felt like an outsider? It was really hard. I look at old journals I wrote in when I was a teenager, and they're all kind of depressing. It's like, (laughs) I'm too complicated. No one understands me. I will never fit in in the world. I'll never be normal. In hindsight, probably the majority of teenagers felt that way, but I think they were doing a better show of it, you know, putting on a a better, glossier image. Uh, Do you think that maybe, like... I guess the way movies and, and kind of kind of media in general portray this idea of being a teenager can potentially reinforce these concepts of either being uber confident or within your own head and, mm-hmm. and, and maybe that isolates people more that are like that? Yeah, I didn't I didn't recognize myself in any movies or even songs because I felt like the people who were misfits as teenagers at least had friends who were also misfits. <laughs> it seems like that was kind of a culture. You find your people. Sure. But I just couldn't really find my people. Mm. 
so that was really challenging for me. And I, I kind of uh, rebelled by dressing crazy and um, just listening to like jazz, you know, not even <laughs> listening to like the alternative music, but just something totally different. Yeah. And I just wanted to be an adult so badly. Totally. And I mean, like, do you feel like, though, in some sense, you. <laughs> I guess it was part of the process of figuring out what an adult was, though, that you were like that. Do you reckon you truly knew what being an adult was like? Oh, yeah. I thought that when I turned 18, I would just be like basically a 45-year-old. Like I thought that, okay, I'm going to enter college and, um, you know, I'm going to suddenly just get along with everyone. And I sort of did, but I still didn't really know who I was. Mm. I actually felt like when I was 17, 18... I think I I was a lot more confident about who I thought I was Mm. than I am right now. I actually feel a lot younger now than I did then. I I guess, like, was it this false sense of, I guess, stability in being an adult that you were craving potentially? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, just not having that pressure to sort of fit in with people, I think, was always very attractive to me. I saw my parents' friends who were... Um, pretty cool. I mean, a lot of them were artists and musicians, and they just did their own thing. And it seemed a lot easier out of high school than it was in, for sure. Sure, sure. It's such a funny thing that I always think about as well myself when I went through these sort of periods in time. And I was like, I had this idea in my head that, yeah, being being an adult meant that, yeah, it meant stability. It meant that everything was fine. You don't, didn't have those anxieties anymore. But I feel like the, the more I go on, the older I get, I start to realize that, God, it doesn't really change no, at no. all, does it? Like, we're just like, I'm so bloody similar to what I was when I was 16. <laughs> exactly. And then, like, I'm almost 30, you know? It's like, Where's what? all this angst? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's really funny. It's like, if, it's like, and if only you could tell a teenager that, just be like, hey, mate, don't worry about it. You're going to be the same now as you are when you're 20, 26. But at least then you'll know that what's coming because you've been through it before, right. I guess. Very almost. comforting. It never yeah. gets easier, but no. you have more resources yeah. to deal with it. It's always like, it's kind of like a grim way of looking at it. But I, sometimes I think it's like, you know, the, the older you get, like, it's not that you, that, you know, things get any easier. It's just you build up more scar tissue and learn how to deal with the, with those tough times a little totally. bit better. And, and yeah, somehow resilience. just, yeah, you build up that resilience. Exactly. Well, look, we're going to get into the music and then talk a little bit more about, I guess, overcoming uncertainty and that not knowing of what to do with yourself. But before that, yeah, what's the first song you want to play? What, what do you want to hit us up with? Ooh, um, I think the first one, so I talk so much about, <laughs> about heartbreak, is Gotta Have You by The Weepies. Um, this is a song that I think I just go back to every time I break up and I feel like, you know, by now I've been through 950,000 breakups. I've been through so many. (laughs) I have so much creative material, but just the sentiment of this song is, um, you know, there's nothing you really can do to get over it. And when you're in that place of heartbreak, you don't really want to get over it. You just kind of want to be sad. And that's the place where I actually began illustrating was from this place of tremendous heartbreak. Quiet and tired and mean Looking at a worried scene I tried to make you mad at me Over the phone red Eyes and fires and signs I'm taken by a nursery rhyme I wanna make a ray of sound 
to Out of the Box on FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest here today is writer and illustrator Murray Andrews. Now, uncertainty and, and, and not knowing what the hell you want to do with yourself. I mean, <laughs> tell us about the points in your life where you felt so uncertain that you've always, I guess, you've almost freaked out, but you've not. You've held yourself together. Yeah, yeah. I think my whole life has been a tribute to uncertainty. It's kind of been an altar to uncertainty. What am I doing? Um, I've had so many different jobs. I like to think that I give hope to baristas everywhere who are just, (laughs) you know, pulling shots for hundreds of years, it seems like. Um, One story that I love about my extremely uncertain time was when I was um, about 23. I just returned from teaching English in South America right after I graduated college. And I just didn't know what in the world I was doing. And I got this job that I was really proud of. It was the only job that I could get. It was at a bakery. Um, It was about two trains away from my home in uh, Chicago, which is extremely cold in the winter. And so many of my memories are just going on these trains, you know, freezing cold, just crying because I didn't want to be there. And it was, um, I would start at about 4 a.m. So it was just absolutely miserable. It was the most miserable job. I was making well below minimum wage. Wage. The idea is I would get tipped, but no one really gave tips to bakers. Um, and I had this marvelous task of writing down uh, all of the all of our offerings every day. So every single pastry. I don't know why we didn't just get a chalkboard to have them, but I had to write them down. And by about day three, I was so sick of my handwriting, I actually couldn't stand looking at it anymore. And I would do this task early in the morning. I was grumpy. I was cold. It was terrible. And so I thought, I've just got to, in- I've got to invent a new handwriting. I need to make my handwriting better. So I started um, adding little curls to it, writing in uppercase 
uppercase and lowercase. And soon that actually became my handwriting. I changed my handwriting in my early 20s. And that was kind of the foundation for my illustration career, which started five years later. Random little bakery. There you go. Totally. And it was just a means of like kind of, I guess, like getting yourself through what was a terrible time. Getting yourself through. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look for the fun, look for whatever you can do to get yourself through. And who knows, maybe five years later, you'll be an Instagram illustrator. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, but yeah, it's, it's such an interesting area because, I mean, it's so easy when when you're down in the dumps to, to see the negative sides of, of what you're doing, you know? Like, for me, there was a period in time where I was straight out of uni and I was severely underemployed. And so, I like, you know, I couldn't find work in the, in the realm that I wanted to work in in the media. And so, I was, I was you know, working selling wine over the phone and mm. I hated it. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe I'm having to do this to, to live and to exist in this expensive city of Sydney. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'll admit, there was nothing that I could find in doing that, being on a phone all day, like, calling people and trying to convince them to buy wine off you. I felt like a piece of shit like yeah but like yeah how how can you tap into this is world of when you're down in the dumps like that and you're not sure what you're doing you're not being able to get a break how how can you advise people to tap into this you know in i guess like a a fun humorous side to be able to make the most of that well i think one thing that you have to keep in mind with any period of life you're in whether it's your dream job or you're selling wine over the phone is to recognize that it's a season of your life. It's not going to last forever. Even if you think you have your dream job, I have my dream job. Mm. And I don't know if it's going to last forever. I recognize that it's a beautiful, sweet time of life now, but Instagram could, you know, erupt tomorrow. We don't know. And I think, especially when you're young, to have this perspective, it's really difficult, but to realize I'm not going to be in this forever. I need to do this now to pay the bills or whatever I need to do. And what's the fun in it? What are the little nuggets? What's the commute? You know, I can't tell you a thing about my job I had when I was 25, but I can tell you everything about the commute because sometimes that was the best time of my day, you know, to look for those little fun moments, the guy you see every day on the train or, you know, the flowers you pass by every day. That's what you're going to remember. But this idea of like hindsight is a really interesting one. And I guess almost nostalgia, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, like when you, when you look back on things, they, they can, they never seem as bad because you do naturally, I think. Uh, see the positive aspects and your your brain almost decides to kind of I guess forget the memories that were not good I mean mm-hmm. is that something you could tell people to feel encouraged by that like you know they will look back on things and it'll be better but like that's still kind of that's hindsight it's not like now like how do you how do you feel better now oh feeling better in the moment is so hard I don't know if there's anyone who does it very well. I think that having friends um, who are a little older is helpful. Really? Um, I've always had friends who are about 10 years older than I am since I was, you know, 20. And I found that to be really, really helpful for perspective. Also, just reading a lot, exposing yourself to movies and um, just being, you know, a kind of citizen of the world at an early age. It can really teach you that your 20s are not forever, even though it feels like that. And that life is long and beautiful and, um, you know, the key to it is to, even in those really bleak moments, realize that you're experiencing things, even if you're not necessarily achieving things. Sure. You're listening to Mari Andrews on Out of the Box FBI Radio. She's an illustrator and a writer who's got this amazing book that she's just put out that just, I guess, it taps, it really taps into... 
um, in many ways, the, the millennial psyche and, and, the, and the troubles you go through on the way to adulthood. Um, we're going to get more into it in a second, but we're going to hear some more music. We're going to go to song number two. Um, what are you, you going to play for us when we're talking about these ideas of, I guess, being uncertain and lost? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to play um, Death with Dignity by Sufjan Stevens. This was a really pivotal song for me. Um, I was exposed to it um, right when I was grieving the loss of my father, and I was actually estranged from him. And so there aren't a lot of stories that I had to cling on to about those emotions I was going through. They were pretty specific. And this was a song about mourning um, an estranged mother. And I really identified with those feelings, and it actually became kind of a life raft to me. And it made me realize, I want to tell my own stories. People really need stories. And if you have a story to tell, you need to tell it. Spirit of my silence, I can hear you, but I'm afraid to be near you, and I don't know. And I don't know where to begin Somewhere in the desert there's a forest And an acre before us But I don't know where to begin But I don't know where to begin Again I lost my strength See us 
again You'll never see us again out of the box on FBR Radio. My name is Serge Nice. My guest here today is Mari Andrews. She's an illustrator and a writer. <laughs> Lives over in New York, which is pretty sweet. I'm pretty jealous. <laughs> um, but look, we're, we're talking about, we were talking about loss before we went to the break. And I mean, and like in context of your father, which is, is, is one side of it, but there's also another kind of loss you can experience. And, and that's the loss you experience when you have heartbreak. Yeah. I mean, how how do you in this day and age when relationships are you know they're, they're not what they used to be things mm. are very movable we're always moving around as, as young people how do you reconcile heartbreak in, in the modern world in your opinion <laughs> well I feel like a lot of us go through it quite a bit before we're yeah, like 30 we, we would have gone like through heartbreak so much more than our parents generation yeah, ridiculous they just dated the guy down the street yeah. and now we have a bit more you know we were more vulnerable we're exposing ourselves to more opportunities to get totally heartbroken and torn <laughs> to pieces um i feel like uh there's this beautiful monologue in call me by your name about how your heart gets tired by the time you're 30. You're just tired. And sometimes your heart can't even, you know, be really vulnerable anymore because it's just too tired. It's gone through too much. And sometimes I feel like that. And then someone will come into my life and, you know, just end up breaking it again. And I realize, (laughs) wow, (laughs) I had so much more to give. Um, I think it is a really difficult part of our generation and I I don't think Tinder really helps them. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> totally. It's a it's a fascinating thing though. I, I mean like is there any way you can kind of I mean for me it's like yeah maybe it's a good thing having experienced that love in multiple ways because I'll have a better understanding and care for the next time that it comes to something mm-hmm. that may be worthwhile yeah. but god it gets confusing it's like you know god, I thought that was the one why wasn't it like how like exactly how do you how do you move beyond that if you're really struggling do you, do you how oh. did you do that personally if you've had it so many times how did you move beyond the ones yeah. where you're like <laughs> Oh, God, like, this is it. I don't know if I can do this again. Yeah, well, again, I think the only thing that's helpful for me is to think about it in terms of seasons rather than a build-up to the one thing. I think in both career and relationships, we think that every, you know, every bad job or every you know, stumbling block every time we get rejected from a job we really wanted, that's propelling us toward toward our dream job that we'll have forever. And same with dating, you know, every bad day, every relationship where we had to learn, every heartbreak is guiding us toward this one person. But that's a lot of pressure to put both on ourselves and someone else. So instead to realize you know, that was a really beautiful thing I experienced. And I was able to experience feelings I didn't even know I was capable of. And it didn't work out. 
and it was devastating. But to see that as a season that was really bright and vibrant, um, and then, you know, a, a period where you have to kind of build yourself up again. And I find that those periods are the time when you're the most giving to yourself, you're the most caring for yourself. And sometimes you get to know yourself in a way that you never knew before. Sure. Do you think that there might be like, you know, some issues with, with this style of love that, that young generations have kind of started like in, in the last several years? Do you think there's problems where it might end up in the point where people can't settle down like like yeah. I mean, do you ever feel like god i don't i i just maybe don't think i'm going to settle down with the one just because the one doesn't yeah. exist exactly i mean i think we're so aware of how many options there are so different from you know people who used to kind of date in the same small town um about a century ago and now we're we're so aware of what we can have especially you know in big cities like sydney and new york you go on a great date and you think that was so nice but what else what else, what else is there, is there? for yeah, me it's like, it's Could like, I like get chasing the dragon like, yeah, <laughs> Could yeah. I get the same guy with better shoes you know like <laughs> could i kind of upgrade a little bit and um and we're traveling around. We're very aware of how many people there are. Why would we want to settle down? What is the impetus for that? Mm. And, of course, I think there's a lot of benefit to that. But it's hard to see that, especially when you're younger. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you think that it's a good or a bad thing? I think that ultimately it's a good thing. I think we're making better decisions than our parents and grandparents made. Um, even though it's probably a little easier for them in some ways. I think that we're, um, you know, as millennials, I think one of our great values is authenticity, living an authentic life. And I think part of that is not doing something because you think you have to, but because mm. you want to. Mm. And so getting married to someone you really want to be with, that's a pretty new concept. And it's yeah, kind sure. of incredible. I think it's going to make for probably better partnerships overall. Sure. 100%. I, I couldn't agree with you more. But look, moving into the music again, what, what are we going to play next, do you think? We've played some Sufjan Stevens. Yeah. yeah we've, we've, we've played, like, that's, a, that's this yeah. Is, yeah, that's all it's, a little bleak. It's so very bleak, next, yeah. um, I'll go with one of the most fun songs I've ever heard. I not totally sure how to pronounce it. I think it's Felicidad um, by Sue George. And um, when I first heard this song, I was taking samba lessons, really fun Brazilian dance. This was part of my kind of happiness project um, to start, you know, becoming the person I really wanted to be. I actually traveled to Rio and I learned some dance there. And when I heard this song, I thought, this is my song. This is, it's called happiness. It's it's just pure joy. And for me, it really um, speaks to a love of travel and adventure and just experiencing life that's very dear to me. Felicidade é sentir o cheiro dessa flor 
felicidade é saber que eu tenho seu amor Felicidade é viver na sua companhia Felicidade é estar contigo todo dia Felicidade é sentir o cheiro dessa flor Felicidade é saber que eu tenho seu amor Saber de verdade que a gente sente saudade quando não consegue se ver. Felicidade. É acordar do seu lado, tomar um café reforçado, depois sair pra correr com você. Felicidade. É poder jogar um pano, colar no show do Caetano, cantar ou dar até o dia raiar. É num fim de semana. Uma praia bacana com todo o sol de arrasar. Felicidade é viver na sua companhia. Felicidade é estar contigo todo dia. Felicidade é sentir o cheiro dessa flor. Felicidade é saber que eu tenho seu amor. Felicidade é viver na sua companhia. Felicidade é estar contigo todo dia. Quando não consegue se ver Felicidade Acordar do seu lado Tomar um café reforçado Depois sair pra correr com você to Out of the Box and FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest here today is Mari Andrew. She is an author, she's an illustrator, and she's battling through all these concepts that you experience when you're a young adult, trying to become an adult and trying to be mature and just think that you got your life sorted when you kind of don't and you're just flailing around going, Jesus Christ, what am I going to do with myself? <laughs> but how do you find purpose? I mean, 
it's it's a tough one in this day and age because there are so many things that you might want to do and you might feel strongly about doing ideologically but at the same time it's also tough because there are so many things pulling you in different directions for sure yes it's i think it's just totally up to you um, you make the purpose that you want to make. I have this illustration I did after I was kind of I was recovering from illness last year. I was pretty depressed, and um, I had a lot of people talk to me about you know the lessons I would learn, the silver lining, and that never really resonated with me. I thought this really sucked. I hated being sick. It was horrible, and now I've got about six months of recovery and depression, and so I drew. Um, a cloud and the idea that you actually paint your own silver lining. So you give the purpose to the parts of your life that don't seem that purposeful. You give purpose to pain. You give purpose to the uncertainty and the stumbling around. And I think that our society, you know, doesn't really value stumbling around. Our society Mm. values certainty and going forward and finding your one passion. And even if you do, you know, meet a great challenge, people are asking you, what did you learn from that? How are you going to be a better person? Sometimes it just sucks. Sometimes it doesn't make you a better person. Sometimes (laughs) it's just a bummer. But you get to decide what you do with that. And I think that is the practice of making your life purposeful. It's such a good point because you're totally right. In society, we're we're told that we need relationship security, we need job security, and we need housing security. But like, why can't I just like, you know, like not be settled down? Why can't I just kind of travel a lot more? Why can't I have like, you know, different girlfriends? Like we are really put in a box when it comes to the way society constructs these ideas of how we should live our lives. I mean, how do you find the courage to break free of that? Because it's so strong, that idea in society that we have to be stable. Well, I think in a kind of sick way, I've been pretty lucky to lose a lot in my life. And I'm just really aware that life, nothing in life is a given. And I was, uh, you know, cognizant of that pretty early in life. I don't think a lot of people have that experience in their 20s. But um, when I was 30, I got really seriously sick for a month. And it, um, I had an autoimmune disease that paralyzed my hands. I wasn't wow. able to write or draw for a few months. And um, Because of that, I realized a life lesson that I think a lot of people don't realize until much later. You can work your whole life for something only to have it taken away. You can have something taken away so easily. You can find the love of your life and something happens to them. Or you can find your dream career and something happens to that. And so through these lessons, you know, I've realized that the day-to-day experiencing is just so valuable to me. And I'm always checking in with myself. Am I enjoying doing this? Mm. Would I do this if Instagram didn't exist? You know, like, yeah. would I would I keep doing this if I didn't have a book deal or if I didn't have, you know, people following me? Am I enjoying my life? Am mm. I enjoying my life in New York? And I think that checking in to make sure that you're still having fun is the key. The key. Is there any point where you could know, I guess, question things too much where you can kind of overanalyze what it is that you're doing and and potentially then 
stray off a path that may have been good? (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. That happens a lot to me, especially (laughs) in relationships. You know, I think especially because I've just spent a decade trying to get to know myself and learning all of these lessons. And then it's like, well, I have this collection of lessons they should be, you know, good for something. And so I try to apply them to different situations in my life. But you can't really know. Life is so unpredictable. And even when you think you have it figured out, especially when you think you have it figured out, things fall apart. Things are, you know, completely unstable. So I think that just going with the flow is the best lesson you can teach yourself. Amen. Well, you're listening to Mari Andrew on Out of the Box. She's an author currently living in New York who also does some incredible illustrations. You can check her out on Instagram where she puts up some very, very fun uh, drawings about basically the struggle to adulthood as a young person. Now, look, moving into the songs again, what are you going to play? you got some James Tillman here, Keep Rising. It's a pretty sick track. Are you going to play that one? Yeah, yeah. Keep Rising is a beautiful song. Um, It's a really lovely song about resilience in a lot of different situations. And especially for me, I always listen to it when I'm (laughs) struggling with my current career, which is my dream job. It's an incredible career I'm so grateful for, but it can be a lot. There's a lot of trolls out there. There's a lot of challenges to overcome. And I always use that song as a mantra to kind of get me in a more positive and grateful place. Just keep rising Mm -hmm. 
keep rising Have a solid heart and a clear mind And in time you will find that you're rising And just keep rising out of the box in FBI radio my name is Serge Negus my guest here today is Mari Andrew she's an author and an illustrator from New York and she's written a book and she does these illustrations that relate to basically getting your path um, and navigating it towards adulthood and becoming you know a solid person I guess or in whatever form that may be it may be very wayward or it may be very straight and narrow who knows but look you know something that you touch on is this idea of authenticity and, and I guess how you think can be authentic to yourself I mean it's something that I think a lot of people would struggle with when it comes to just all the different distractions that happen around you. I mean, how did you find your authentic self? Oh, I mean, every day, every day I'm, I'm searching for it. But I think, um, you know, something that I always try to tell people, especially young people, is the things that you think are weird or bad about yourself or different are the things that are really going to propel you if you do the work to really let those shine. So if you feel isolated from other people, that means that there is a group of people out there who also feel isolated like you, and you're going to find them, and you're going to have the best friends of your life. If you feel like the weirdo in the office who just isn't really understood by people, you know, you're the only person dressing kind of crazy with a lot of stiff suits around you. Um, You're the one who's bringing something really cool to the table. And to recognize that as something good about you instead of something that's, you know, harming you, um, if you can do that, especially early on, you're setting yourself up for a great life. What's what's the difference though between like wanting something authentically and actually feeling like that's your thing and, and appreciating a style and, and then 
taking that on but maybe not necessarily being 100% truthful to it like is it can you get caught mm. up doing that yeah yeah for sure I mean there is a time and a place to be <laughs> to let your freak flag fly like you <laughs> I have a hard time with this because I do my personality type loves craves authenticity and bringing my full self to everything but you kind of you have to go <laughs> go with the crowd sometimes you just have to know that you're bringing something unique so mm. if you're in a uh you know meeting room and everyone's talking about the same old ideas and you're thinking i don't really relate to this or i'm not feeling really understood here to just try to speak up and say you know, I, I'm a little more sensitive and I think, you know, we should think about it this way. That's really something that you can add. And that's something, especially as a creative person, that you can add, you know, to our cultural narrative. We can always use more stories and always use more perspectives. Do you think people should, I guess, nurture their weirdness more? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Look, uh, you're listening to Maria Andrew on Out the Box and FBI Radio. She's out here for a little course that you're going to hear about in a second, but we're going to get on to some more tunes. What are you, what are you going to play for us as song number five? Um, this one is Truth Hurts by Lizzo. Lizzo is my singer to listen to every time I'm about to give a speech or do something intimidating. She is just confidence embodied. And I love that this song is definitely turning pain into art, which is sort of the thing that I do. <laughs> she's using her heartbreaks and she's making this gorgeous, like, really empowering song about it and I have memorized every word to this song I love it so much and um it's sort of like a battle cry for people who you know feel a little bit disempowered Yeah. 
ocean like aye, aye, aye You've been listening to Out of the Box and FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest here today has been Mari Andrew. She's an author and illustrator based in New York, but she's out here because you've got a very special event running today that people can head to. Can you can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, this is my conversation with School of Life, and this is me going through a lot of the themes in my book, uncertainty, resilience, healing, um, authenticity, and I... It's such a lovely opportunity to talk about how these themes have been really important in my life so far and also in the work that I do. It's and, and your book is so amazing because you incorporate all of these illustrations that you've done, these practical humorous takes on all of these issues that we face. And look, and for the people out there who could be hearing this and thinking that maybe it sounds all airy-fairy and bullshit, I tell you, <laughs> it, it actually really isn't. When you look at these books, they're all the stories... And, and these illustrations are all so relatable um, that you can't help but kind of have a smile when, when you look at them. I mean, and you've had an impact. I mean, like when you look at your Instagram, you, you know, there's a, almost a million followers that are to looking at these things. I mean, how do you tap into this idea of, of looking at these things in a humorous way, not taking things too seriously? Because it's so easy to get distracted by how serious life can be. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I think it comes from, again, a place of being a bit of, of a misfit as a kid. I was just always observing. So just write these things down. I also love, I've always loved really observational humor. Mm. And I think that is a way for me to balance out my kind of more intense personality. I can be really over analytical. I think about myself and my feelings a lot. I can get really deep into my own feelings. And I think having a bit of levity really balances that out. If you're able to laugh at yourself, you can get through life. That's that's a great tool do you have, to, to do that. Do you have a favorite illustration that you've done about these practicalities of, of getting towards adulthood that you've, you've done? Is there one thing that you stick out to that just even yourself it cracks you up? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that anyone can really look at their own work that way. <laughs> I think. <laughs> but I always love hearing people's stories in the comments. It makes me feel, it makes me feel much less alone. They say it makes them feel less alone, but it makes me feel less alone to realize, oh, I'm not the only person who, you know, has had this kind of awkward date or, you know, ridiculous <laughs> situation. Sure, sure. Well, look, how can people head along to, to your event today if they want to check it out? Um, School of Life dot com dot you probably <laughs> and i have a workshop on saturday which will be using a lot of the art therapies that um that i use in my daily work well thank you so much for coming on out of the box mari and what's the last song you're going to send us off with today um this song is called oceans away by arizona and i don't even know the lyrics very well but just the energy of the song is all about new beginnings for me i moved to new york last year and it was a time when i was really going forward with my career as an artist and I listen to this song a ton. To me, it's just like forward thinking, optimism, and taking on new challenges. Awesome. Thank you so much again. Thank you.
messed me up when you came around When the high wall No, you needed space But I don't wanna wait I don't wanna miss it A few thousand miles In an ocean away But I see the sunrise Oh, just like the other day Picture your eyes As I fall asleep Tell myself it's alright Oh, as the tears roll Okay, 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 okay. You live in my dream state. We look at my fantasy. I stay in reality. You live in my dream state. Anytime I count, she. That's the only time we make up, make up. You exist behind my eyelids, my eyelids. No, I don't wanna wake up. 2020-2020 vision. Cupid hit me, Cupid hit me with precision. I wonder if you look both ways when you cross my mind. I said, I said I'm sick of, sick of, sick of, sick of chasing. You're the one that's always running through my daydream. I, I can only see your face when I close my eyes. Can I get a kiss? And can you make it last forever? I said I'm about to go to war And I don't know if I'm gonna see you again Can I get a kiss? And can you make it last forever? I said I'm about to go to war 
I said, okay, 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 do get my infatuation and translate into another form of what you call it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, I ain't met you, I've been looking, stop the waiting for, I stop the chasing like an alcoholic. You don't understand me, what the fuck do you mean? It's them roast and the cheeks, yeah, it's them dirt colored eyes. Sugar, honey, iced tea, bumblebee on the scene, yeah, I give up my bakery to have a piece of your pie. 2020, 2020 vision. Keep it hit me, keep it hit me with precision. I wonder if you look both ways when you cross my mind. I said, I said, I'm sick of, sick of, sick of, sick of chasing. You're the one that's always running through my daydream. I, I can only see your face when I close my eyes.